Hi everybody and welcome back to BeachCast. This is Jeff Lander. Uh, this is the second half of the talk I gave at the Santa Monica Public Library to a bunch of teenagers. Um, they were real enthusiastic and, and I really enjoyed giving the talk. Uh, uh, this, this half will focus on kind of the education requirements of the game industry and, and different questions and answers from the kids. So the last thing that I wanted to address, and I'm going to get some questions, is the, the whole key to all this, and it doesn't matter, and I'm going to prove to you that it doesn't matter, is that education's the key. For game developments, and it, it, you think, oh, this is, this is uh, uh, hard to hear sometimes because some people don't like to deal with this stuff, but math and physics are our main tools. And the funny part about this is that it isn't... It isn't the math or the, we're not doing nuclear physics in games. We're not doing uh, some stuff. We are doing lots of geometry and trigonometry and things like linear algebra, which sound pretty scary. We've got writing and language skills are also useful because we have, like I said, writers and, and film people. Uh, we do this kind of math, geometry, trigonometry, all the time. But this is stuff that you guys are learning in high school. This is not stuff that, you know, you have to go to college and you have to learn how to do particle physics. We're doing simple Newtonian physics. This is Newton dropping the apple off the building kind of physics. That's the stuff that we care about in games right now. Uh, I've personally never needed to know Einstein. Uh, uh, I've never used it in a game, but maybe on the PlayStation 3 we'll start doing some kind of relativity game or something like that. Um, so I like to think of the education advanced high school level is about ideal. In fact, there's a lot of people that go off to college and kind of get a, a degree in mathematics or something, and they forget all the stuff that they learned in high school, and I do this all the time. I forget, oh, I know that there's this formula that's really easy, and so I have my high school uh, geometry book on my desk because there's a lot of time. In fact, my, teachers, uh, my sister teaches high school geometry and math, and uh, I always call her up and go, I can't remember how to do this. I know it's really easy, and it's just like solving the triangle. A lot of you have done that thing where you take the A squared plus B squared equals C squared. That kind of stuff. That's what we do in games all day long. So a lot of times, some of us who went to college and learned all this stuff, we have to learn, relearn stuff that we've totally forgotten. So, you know, right at that level. So let's talk about what some of that math is. Um, we do this kind of math all the time as computer programmers. We do this kind of vector, matrix, dot, trigonometry kind of things. And I don't know if anyone, does anybody recognize that? I'll just throw that out. Some of you might have had this before in high school or, or junior high math. You got it? What, go ahead. What, 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 is the, what is that there? Okay. Well, this, this, this formula is basically the formula for anything that flies. Like if you were to take a ball and throw it, that is the formula for it. And I forget this. I never remember this. I, you know, I, I can look this up in a book, but I, just, I know it's there, and that's what's important. It's not necessarily important that you've memorized all this stuff, but I know where to get it. And so when we go, oh, we're going to do a baseball game, and what happens when the baseball, you know, the ba baseball leaves the bat? Uh, this is just saying that the position of the ball is equal to the position of the ball when it started times the speed of the ball times how far it's been going minus gravity. And so th there's just a little math going on there, but that's... That's one of the things we use all the time that's math. Here's the other thing that seems really easy to do. And if you were to do one of the most simple games, let's say we were going to do a pool game where you hit a ball and it bounces off another ball. The, the important part of that might be when this ball here, this ball A, hits ball B and it's going like 
20 feet per second in this game. How would you figure out which way the two balls go after that? And that's the kind of thing that, as a, a game person, we have to figure out. And, but we do this kind of stuff all the time. And, and it, it, you look at it and go, well, that's the most simple thing you could possibly do. It's like, it's like hitting that and having it fall on the ground. That's the kind of math that we do. And that's just gravity and, and really simple concepts. But it's stuff that, that you do have to learn. And, it, and I'm not saying you have to be able to like recite it and have it memorized, but you have to know how it works and how to apply it. So I'm going to throw up. Here's, here's comes the only scary like uh, programming code in the in the whole talk. So there's there's the programming code that that is the code to solve basically the speed of the two balls after that little collision. And I won't even go through that unless anyone is interested after to hear what that's all about. Yes. Um, there are similar. There's something um, in a flash program called Action Script. Mm -hmm. Is that anything similar to what you're doing? Or? Absolutely. In fact, I could show you some flash stuff that I did yeah. that has some physics. Tycho and I do flash. Oh yeah. I, I, um, it's, it's, yeah. There's multiple programming languages. Well, you could totally do it in Flash Script, though. In fact, I, I have. Yeah. And you know, you're just saying position. You might have a speed. Let's say you put a speed variable in your Flash Script. And then you said, oh, well, the position equals the speed times some time or something. And you know, we can take a look at that stuff. But yeah, completely independent. This happens to be in the programming language of C, if anyone's ever heard of C. Yeah, yeah. C is the dominant programming language in games. Uh, that is the one that every console game and most PC games that are created these days use C as a programming language. Yes? They don't, what, what's C++? C++ is just a variation of C that, oh. uh, yeah, and that's exactly, we currently use C++. Until a couple of years ago, we used straight C. Um, it's like any programming language. Uh, you know, a lot of people will draw the analogy of learning a foreign language uh, when they're learning these programming languages, and it's, to me, it's not really like that. Uh, once you learn one, they're all kind of similar. You just learn it, you know, you're learning, do you put a semicolon at the end, or do you just hit return? Yeah. Do you put plus? How does yeah, it work? It. Yeah. Yes? Um, do you need to know, like, these types of formulas and that type of stuff if you're taking a job in design or art? I'm, I'm about to get to that. So let's, um, not, the a short answer is no, that if you're in programming, is where you really need that, but that's a lot of a lot of things, and that's the point I want to make is that education is really important in all the careers. And here's an example. Let's go into that. No math for me. I hate math. I don't want to deal with this. What about artists and designers? Are math and science skills required? Well, math really for us, because we talk about games and they're kind of abstract, and you're kind of saying, "Oh, I want the ball to travel fast." Well, you need a way to describe it. So for us. A we need a common language to discuss these ideas, and math for us is the common language. So, if you're an artist and all you're doing is you're creating the art, I may, as the designer or the programmer, come to you and say, I need you to do that walking motion in eight directions. So, if, if I needed you to do it in eight different directions, and you were the artist, you'd have to say, Oh, I got to do eight different directions. Well, I've got my little program where I can dial in these angles that they're facing, but how do I do it for eight? So, you know, you'd have to be able to say, oh, okay, there's 360 degrees in the circle, and I've got to divide that by eight, and I'll say, oh, there you go. Well, how many, how many directions would that be? Another example is I might say to you that um, because we're doing this special sequence of animation, I need a walking, go I need a walking motion that's just walking along 
and it walks 10 meters, and then it turns and ends at 130 degrees, because that's what we need for the game. And you just got to be able to deal with that kind of thing. So that means you got to divide up the, the walk cycle into meters and kind of plan it all out. So for an artist, and we also we talk in langu the language of Euler angles, which uh, is something that I don't even need to get into, but this is the kind of stuff that when we talk to artists and things, I'll say to them, I need you to have um, Euler angles of 30, 20, 50 on keyframe 10, um, and the, the whole motion needs to be 20 meters per second. And that's the kind of, that's how we talk. And so, yes, for artists, it, it is kind of important. Now, I'm not saying that they're like, they're not solving quadratic equations or doing anything like that, but we need a common language to talk. What about if you do, do the d design? What if you're not a programmer, you're not an artist? I just kind of come up with fun puzzles. Well, let's say I need to create a puzzle where the player wants to compete to jump the farthest. And, and I'm doing the design for this thing. And I'll ask you, since you're the designer, what controls are, what, what do we need to control about the player in order to determine, to give the player the control to determine whether they can jump really far? What would you suggest? Or any control? Yeah, what, what, what actions would you have to control in order to make him jump really far? Um, I'm not sure I understand, but we'll try. Okay, we'll throw something out. We'll Talking about the physics of it, or what he looks like while doing it. Not, not the art could go into it too, but in order to just decide if I wanted to jump really far, and, and it doesn't even have to be. Let's just say, uh, what what do you need to do to jump really far? Anyone? Yeah. No, that's fine. Bend your knees. Sure. Uh, well, are you also talking about maybe control stick ideas, like uh, yeah. what button? I'm asking you. You guys are the game designers, and you want to expose something. What, what do you want? Yeah. What, go ahead. What? I guess lean forward. Yeah, lean forward. Space or something. Anyone else? More in general. Yeah. Any? Go throw them out. I don't care. Yeah? The height and the direction and the angle of the jump, right? Or something? And what else? Um, oh, somebody in the back. The force as in, like, how strong, how hard I'm jumping or something. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was go, go ahead. ahead. No, either. I'll take you right there. Okay. Um, yeah, exactly. And I heard somebody else say that too. Anything else? Uh, maybe the environment, like maybe Exactly. On the moon, maybe gravity works differently, or something. And it just depends. But what what I'm trying to get across to you is, is as a designer, you might not even have be dealing with the programmers yet. You might be doing something simple like, and I'm going to take an old school game because I love it, but you, and some of you guys might recognize it. Um, but this is track and field, right. uh, old school. So here we have the long jump. Now, the game designer, and in this case, since it's so old school, it was probably the programmer. But So what did they do? They said, we need to make a long jump event. What are the variables we're going to give the people? And the variables are, I want them to be able to control the speed. Somebody said speed. So I'm going to make it so that if they tap the button really, really fast, this little speed meter is going to go up, right? And they said, well, what else is important? Well, wind direction's important, maybe. Maybe we'll do wind, but you know, you know, I want the player to be able to control it. So the other thing that was important, somebody else said, was I need to control the angle that I jump at. And as a game designer, you say, so what you're saying as a designer is, the two things I need for this particular game, uh, this 
part of the game is I need to control how fast they go. And so the way I'm going to do that is if they hit the button really, really fast, they're going to go. And I also want to control the angle at which they jump at. And so I'm going to have a mechanic that when they get to the line, they hit another button and this angle starts going up. And then when they release the button, he jumps. And that's going to control the jump. So as a designer, what I'm saying is, oh, I, I'm going to say the two controls are speed and the angle of the jump. And now, these days, with Mario and Sonic and these kind of games, they have all sorts of wacky controls. They can, he can do a double jump, which, as you all know, is kind of physically impossible. We can't do double jumps, but double jump is tried and true you know, in the game industry. We love double jumps, uh, which is where you jump, and then when you're in the air, you hit jump again, and he does some kind of backflip, and that makes him go higher. That's game physics, baby. We love that stuff. Uh, but... So, so as a designer, you need to know, oh, I need to find out what the optimal angle is. And you might need to know, hey, 45 degrees when I'm doing a jump game is the optimal angle. Okay, and here's another thing for design. Everyone recognize Galaga over there? Yeah. Galaga rules. Best game. Old school. And, and one of the reasons it's really good is it's fun, but let's discuss this fun. Let's say we got waves of alien spaceships attacking the player. There's the whole backstory. Back then, we didn't worry much about backstory. Uh, but we want it to be a pattern. We want the things to attack, and we, it wouldn't be any fun if they just randomly came at you, right? It would just be hard, because you wouldn't be able to avoid them. So what we want is the designers, we say, oh, I want, I want the guys to attack in waves. I want, like, maybe the white, you know, the, the blue row at the bottom breaks off, and I want it to kind of go in a, in a motion. But I don't want it to go straight down, because if it just went straight down, it wouldn't be any fun, right? I could just get out of the way. So... It needs to be random, but I want it to kind of swirl, and I want him to do a loop-the-loop -loop and then hit the guy, right? Uh, but he might be moving, so I need this plane to go in. It needs to do a loop-the-loop, -loop, but he's moving, and it's going to try to hit him. But it's gonna, it needs to be repeatable because we want the player to learn over time that, hey, this was hard, but if I move over here, he's, this wave's going to miss me, and then I move over there, and that wave's going to miss me, and that's what makes it fun. Well, that's kind of chaotic and fun. It's like, oh, it's fun, but it's not exactly, I'm not exactly saying they just fall straight down. You know, otherwise you got like really old space invaders where it's like boom, 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 and it just goes back and forth across. Galaga has them doing, sometimes they fake attack you, right? They come down and they go back up. So if you're the game designer, how do you design a system like that? You know, it's, it becomes a complex thing. So you can look at this. Now, uh, this has nothing to do with how they necessarily did this, but we can take simple stuff like a sine wave. Over there in the top, you've all seen a sine wave before. And if we start adding up a whole bunch of sine waves, what you get is you get this weird squiggly pattern here or this squiggly pattern here. And that's, like, chaotic in that it's if you pictured that that was the path up and down that the spaceship took, it looks like it's just flying randomly, but yet it's not. It's following a pattern, right? So you could avoid it by, if we imagine that this curve is where the ship was moving, you could hide here because he can't get me, and then when he goes back up, we could move over here and that kind of thing. So you can use those kind of math tools to do that. You could also draw, have an editor that let you draw paths that the things fall. So there's a lot of ways to do it, and I'm not saying that this is the only way, but that's a place where design doesn't necessarily have to know how to solve problems, but needs to know the tool set that we have. Um, not only that, you were talking about World of Warcraft. How many, do you even have any idea how many hundreds of items that they have, you know? How many swords are there in World of Warcraft? There's like, yeah. And each of them has a different cost, right? And each of them ha does different amounts of damage. 
And as the designer, it's your job to balance all that out, right? It's your job to say, oh, well, I want this sword to do this much damage, but it sh you know, this shield should work good against that sword, so it, it, this shield needs to do this much defense. And so the people that have all these have massive like spreadsheets and they look like they're accountants because they have here's the weapon and here's the damage and if this attack happens it does this damage and and it becomes kind of a big spread and I was talking I was talking about this topic to a bunch of game designers and they were saying oh by far the most time I spend is in the the program Microsoft Excel just balancing all these values of strength versus cost and just to get the game to play right so those are the kind of things we do. And, and as a designer, you might want to tell me, here's the kind of things I get as a programmer from design. Is I get, I want the damage to be equal to the strength of the guy times one plus some random element. And so the, as a designer, they'd tell me that, that this weapon does the strength of the guy. So the guy's like, he's really strong, so that's going to be a big number. And then it's going to be times a little bit of randomness. So every time he hits me, it's not exactly the same. So as a designer, you might set that kind of thing up. Uh, so, I'm going to do some conclusion and then we'll take some questions. So, as I said, there's lots of great opportunities for everybody just like you in the game industry. Um, it does require some work from you. You, you, know, you have to be able to communicate in these kind of languages. The more you think you know, you guys are already talking about Flash and you're talking about you know, playing World of Warcraft and, and, and uh, testing games like Shrek and things. Uh, that's, that's the way to go. The more time you spend playing games, learning about how they work, trying your ideas out, even on paper. I mean, a lot of our early game designs we just did on paper. And my contention is if it's fun, even in Flash, you know, if, if the game's not fun in Flash, the game's not going to be fun on the PlayStation with 3D graphics, right? If, if it's a good game, as we said, track and field, Galaga are great games. It doesn't matter how sexy the graphics are or anything like that. So, uh, and also then you can tell your parents your next game you want to buy is actually research. That's what we love. I mean, we spend a lot of money buying games, and we get to write it off as a business expense. We buy every new game console system, and uh, we do that. So um, I just wanted to quickly show a couple other things that I think is kind of interesting, and I'll, I'll, we'll talk some questions while this goes on. So this is some, some footage from Shrek, so some of you are real familiar. But we have this little teeter-totter mechanism, which was kind of fun, and that involved all sorts of interesting gameplay, animation, and physics, and all sorts of stuff, because this gig is, hey, I want, if you jump up and down, you have to jump really hard to get Gingerbread Man over the fence. So you see, it's actually driven by, oh, Shrek weighs more, so when he jumps, and then he's gonna do a belly slam in a minute, and that will like propel uh, Gingerbread Man way over the fence. So that was a game designer saying, oh, I want this teeter-totter thing, but I want, if you use Shrek, he goes really high, and all these different things. So. Any, any more questions about stuff while we're just talking about that? Oh, there, there he goes on the belly flop, so that's kind of fun. And there's a whole gig where uh, uh, you get to tee off with uh, chickens and try to get them into pot, and, and the programming that was really tricky because you could hit them from any angle, but yet we wanted it to, here's the pot, we wanted it to fly like it would actually go into the pot, so that was kind of tricky. And, and these games are fun because we just make all sorts of stuff destructible and you'd be able to do that. So there you hit a little chicken and, and it goes in the pot. So. Yeah, poor chicken. Chicken soup. Uh, let's see what else I got here. And um, I was showing a little bit of Prince of Persia uh, uh, earlier and you saw this clip. Um, but this is interesting because this was all about puzzle design. And this is all about 
the designer saying, I know exactly how far the prince can jump on each of his jumps. And you were saying, how convenient that the wall busted there. That's all about design. That was, you know, they had to say, okay, he can jump this far. And so to make this puzzle fun, I have to make a, and it's not only it's got to be fun, and you see, I have some, I have some complaints. I love Prince of Persia, but like the camera sometimes would be in the most annoying place and you can control it. Yeah. And or or the clue the clue there if we back up a little where you saw that that wall, ledge was there was it was a slightly darker ledge and that meant oh I can jump and I can land on it and it's like that's kind of strange. But, yeah. I have a question. In a lot of games, like you see, the camera just sucks like really bad. How? Yeah, that's because the camera is the absolute. We fight about cameras all the time. It's the hardest hardest part to get right because there's people play games differently, and some want to be controlling the camera all the time and get it to the perfect angle. And some of them are just going to run around and never touch the camera. And you have to kind of fight those balances. And if you have a game where the player can always control the camera, like uh, Mario, or, or um, you'd get into this puzzle. If that was a, the normal camera for Prince of Persia, that puzzle wouldn't be playable because you would never be able to get it to an angle. So they had to cut to this fixed camera to try to solve the problem. But then there's games that just get that horribly wrong. you know. Yeah, Star, Star Wars. And uh, in our games, uh, you know, Shrek got, has some places where the camera would... We tried to give a lot of freedom, but there were some places where the camera would get stuck, so we'd fix the camera, and then people would complain, I can't move the camera. And it's, just, it's just, it's so wild, and there's so many variations, it's a really hard thing to get right. And so we have programmers and artists and designers spending a lot of time working on cameras. In fact, I'm working on cameras right now for our next game. It's just, it's a lot of work, and we will be working on cameras until the day it ships. I mean, we will be fine-tuning it and trying to get it right. And in the end, there's always going to be somebody who says, ah, the camera sucks. The game was fun, but the camera sucked. <laughs> He's, you know, what do you do? Let's, let's talk about it. What do you do with if, if the player has put the camera... Let's say we're doing a, a third-person game where the camera's looking at the player like Ratchet and Clank or, or, or this. Now, they're looking at the player. Then the player backs up, but they force the camera to look this way. Then the player's backing up, right? And it gets into this corner. You're the camera. What do you do? You know, so what you see in the different games is the camera will go inside the guy and the guy will come transparent. Or it'll swing around the other way, but then that's no fun because as soon as the camera swings around, your controls are different. And it, so it's just really hard. It's one, one of the more difficult puzzles of, of the whole thing. And we spend, that, that's one of the things that I should say, we spend tons of time um, working on that kind of thing. Oh, I run Sonic, because Son Sonic just has these crazy levels. I mean, they're level designers. They, just, they, they used all the curve tools, and they're just going crazy, and there's all sorts of interesting... You know, they had to put that bounce thing in the exact right place to make that, that game work. And, and, and since you can fall everywhere, you have to be able to get it just right, you know. Oh, they, because they could get stuck down there, they have to have this little bounce element there. Really tricky. Game design, uh, when, as, as the game gets more and more complex, there's more and more things to, to deal with there. So, Okay, so uh, that, that's kind of what I had on that stuff, and we can look at other stuff. But do you guys have any other questions about that? Absolutely. I wanted to mention that. And unfortunately, I, I am working on trying to find a really good book to learn programming. I can only tell you what I don't recommend right now. And um, you can take one of my cards and I'll email you because I've been looking at But you really, C is the language to learn for games. And there's a lot of games like game, game programming for teens that use uh, Visual Basic and stuff. 
And I don't really recommend that because although learning C may seem a little harder and may seem some tools, uh, may seem a little uh, tougher to do, it's if, you, if you're just more interested in doing some game art and design, maybe use one of the games or use Flash or something. If you're interested in the programming, we need to find a good book that teaches intro to C. Um, like, but, but with a game spin. Um, there's a lot of stuff on the internet, but what the internet tends to be is like, how do I do this one particular effect? Or, and, but it doesn't really tell you about the whole process, and that's really what we need. The game programming gems books are really good if you just want to learn about one effect. I think even the white. You know how, they, uh, you know how DirectX exists? So do they use that in real game programming? Or is Direct. DirectX. Yeah, DirectX, absolutely. The Xbox is running almost entirely on DirectX. Uh, actually, is entirely on. And the Xbox uh, 360 will definitely be running on it. And so, one of the games that has, or one of the books that's like game programming using Get DirectX would probably be really good, too. I just have another quick question. Mm -hmm. Um, it used to be really different. The main difference right now is kind of how you organize the data and how you organize memory, because the game consoles, until now at least, didn't have very much memory, so you had to fit everything in. And it's a little bit of a different experience, but I've done both. I, I worked on PC games and console games, and they're all the same to me. And, um, yes? Yeah, I, sh I should. As some of you know, you, you've obviously been to Activision. Yeah. Activision is like right down the road here. They're one of the biggest publishers in the world, probably number two or number three in the world, and they're right over here on Ocean Park. They're right around that campus. There's us, Luxoflux, Treyarch, Pandemics down the street. Basically, Los Angeles is one of the hotbeds, and w uh, we did talk about the IGDA. Uh, Game Developers Association. We have a local chapter that I'm he I help out with that uh, we meet, and you're all welcome to come to one of the meetings just to kind of hang out and talk to different game developers. We have a website, igda.org. Um, oh, which reminds me, I have my contact info that has that. There, that igda.org, that's my email and contact info. Um, the, the, yeah, there's... Uh, Los Angeles and San Francisco, basically California is the hotbed of game development in the world. There's more companies doing more stuff, and Los Angeles is huge. Orange County, the Valley. Uh, so there's lots of opportunities for people who are interested like you guys are. I have questions regarding handheld games. Oh, yeah. Even though it may seem like they're going away. No. What your idea Yeah, I didn't even mention handheld games, and that's huge. Yeah, they're huge. All you guys know about the PSP now, right? The little PlayStation Portable handheld. The cell phone games, you guys got cell phones too. I mean, there's all sorts of markets opening. Um, Jamdat, which does cell phone games, is right in town here, and they're huge. They do all the bowling games and all those games on your cell phones. And so there's so many opportunities. You've got the Nintendo DS, the dual screen, which has all these cool features of a touch screen and all that. Okay, I think that's all we have. Thank you very much for... You know, probably, uh, yes, um, thanks for inviting well, me. Thank you very much, um, Mr. Lender. And, mm -hmm. um, I mean, this is the biggest wave um, of the biggest gaming. Yes, you know, as, as, as you, you know. Yeah. We're, we're really busy, but uh, I was really glad to get to come to here. And, uh, and um, can I wrap up uh, what you're trying to do here? And I hope you have learned that everything you can score is counting. You know, they can take a good job that you can have. But in order to be there, you guys need to go back. 
your study. <laughs> <laughs> That's one lesson to learn out of it. There's no shortcut, and I tell you, um, and um, about the job. Another mm. thing is, um, like what I do, I do, I'm a, a public relations, more like for example, the education side, but the game companies are becoming so huge. They're, they're accounting, they're all kind of different aspects of the job. You can be involved in and in work for the gaming industry as well. So um, keep that in mind. You don't have to be a programmer, artist, or the lab designer. Absolutely. There's all sorts of jobs for enthusiasts, too. And, and schools like Lena's at the Academy uh, are really good for kind of getting hands-on experience on some of the art tools that we use and things. So. Thank you for coming. I have some cards up here if anyone wants some cards. And that's the talk. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, please send me feedback at beachcast at digital-beach.com. Uh, I'd like to try to improve the talk and, and make it more uh, interesting for everybody. So if you have any comments or anything you think I should have added, please send those to me. Uh, until next time, this is Jeff Lander signing off. Thanks.